Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Bud. I want to welcome you to the Constipated Christian. <clears throat> Today I have uh, two friends of mine from church, uh, Raina and Myra. They're sisters. You guys want to say hi? Hi. Hello. <clears throat> so, um, again, just uh, wanting to talk about uh, doing something with our faith, being inspired, or I mean to inspire other people uh, by doing something rather than just uh, talking it out or hearing it or whatever. <clears throat> being actors of the word James 122 instead of here is only. Uh, these are two beautiful people inside and out women that uh, have done stuff for years. Um, and I just wanted to come on and just talk about stuff about, uh, we were talking earlier and I did a thing a couple times ago about <clears throat> uh, the word evidence. Um, we talk about our faith, about our faith is on trial and all the time every day, you know, what's, what's different about us, you know, and people looking at us kind of scrutinizing us. So, uh, I love that analogy that, you know, I want you to put my faith on trial and I want people to kind of scrutinize me and me have to produce the evidence of my faith. So basically, this is what we're going to talk about, um, things that they have done in their life. Myra's going through some things right now. But again, that strength of uh, being strongest when we're at, when we're at our weakest. I uh, just love her story. Uh, we talked about Deb Barlow, kind of a similar thing, but um just people that, you know, we, we just talked earlier in this little prelude thing before we talked about how sometimes we go through things and we just stop and we just say, you know, I don't, I, I can't do, you know, the Lord's work or I don't, you know, I'm just so down or depressed or whatever. I need to get through this time or whatever. But what I love about Myron, people like Deb and all now is they just have just pushed through it. And because of that, they've ha been able to reach so many other people that are experiencing the same thing. So um, <clears throat> we're going to start with, we're going to start with you start with her so we're going to start with myra and we're just going to have myra tell us a little bit about who you are um why you do what you do what's on your heart i mean you know there's obviously uh, something different about you than just going to church and sitting in church and getting up and going home and doing nothing so just kind of talk about what you've done in the past and then if you want to share uh how we met or uh you know what uh, what you went through uh, since i met you or whatever Okay, well, um, when I first got saved, soon after that, I um, joined a, an evangelistic um, school, school of evangelism, and that really just sparked a fire in me to have a missionary's heart wherever I'm at. And so from there, um, I learned a lot about prayer and the importance of prayer. So that's always been a, a strong um, motivator. Um, to do anything for the Lord. Um, more, more recently, um, I've met Bud and joined the Rock um, Fellowship um, because I had to move up here because I'm battling stage four cancer. And if there was a stage 10, that's what my body would have been, a stage 10. Um, the cancer was very extensive throughout my body and my brain. Um, but through that, I have been able to apply a lot of the principles that I learned through the years, especially from that school of evangelism about the importance of being a missionary right where you're at and reaching people in spite of my circumstances to bring hope. And so that's really the motive behind the things that I'm doing now that I did even while I was going through treatment um, to bring hope to a very dark place that others might going through what I'm going through would be encouraged as well. So, uh, 
she kind of alluded to it to uh, when we met, but uh, it was funny to me. It might not be funny to you, but uh, <clears throat> and Rain is here too. She was in the in the room when we met. A pastor and I went over. I got called. Can we go over and pray for this girl? That's uh, what I thought was dying or whatever. <clears throat> so I'm thinking, you know, last right type thing or whatever. But I was a Catholic, so I walked in and, and she was really down and depressed and just. Uh, but the more I talked to her, you know, I just realized that she wasn't on death's door. I no. mean, she was, she was extremely sick. She was uh, extremely, uh, I think, in pain and just unknowing about what things are going through. But maybe not as much emotionally as physical, but she had a lot of emotional things going on. <clears throat> and I think I reprimand the, he's a friend of mine too, but you know, uh, Mark is his name. And I said, oh my gosh, she's not dying. I don't, you know, we just need to <laughs> get her through there, pray with her or whatever. So we can laugh about it now, but she was, you were pretty down. I mean, oh, you yes. were, you were pretty uh, depressed and, you know, Raina, talk, yes. you guys talked about how you guys were arguing or there was some, mm -hmm. I don't know, some smack or not smack, <laughs> um, some stuff going on in the family that, uh, well, what's the word? You, you guys had some tension, tension, tension. That's it. Yeah. Tension. Thank you. Uh, going on or whatever. And so, uh, I, I think from that prayer or that time we met in your praying and everything, you kind of, Mm -hmm. I don't yes. know. You just seemed to, I think we brought you some flowers next year or something. You were able to walk outside yes. or I don't know. But anyway, just, um, you know, we, when I think about her, I think about being at our strongest at our weakest. Mm -hmm. And I just, uh, she's just such an epitome of, <clears throat> uh, of just working through. We talk about, you know, I guess I can't do this right now because they don't feel it. I'm sure she doesn't feel it sometimes more than the rest of us do, but she still does it. So, and what you don't realize you did that day, bud was you brought your experience with people that you have in your life that have depression. Yes. And you just looked at her and said, you call me anytime. Yeah. And that just for Myra, that was just like this. Okay. I'm not the only person that's battling. I'm not the only person that goes through these things. Mm -hmm. And it just gave her hope. And then we found some scriptures. We put them on her, um slider what uh the mirrored closet closet doors. doors so she could see those on the days that things mm. got dark and you got those voices in your head that you're yeah. hearing wow. but there was something that broke just by the you being relatable mm -hmm. um because we all have times that it gets dark yeah. and sometimes you feel like you're the only one but you yeah. those simple words just broke something it really did it really did. It changed my tra the trajectory of mm -hmm. my healing journey from that point on here in Sacramento. Mm -hmm. Hope entered in because mm -hmm. of what you shared. And the way you and Carol greeted yes. us and made a point to not just say, oh, hi, my name is Bud or this is Carol. You said, let's meet after church and let's talk. I want to know you. Wow. Yeah. That made a big difference. That was huge. You know, practice what I preach because I, I, I'm guilty of that even today. I meet somebody and I, I, I should... You know, we all have our, I won't say cliques or, or, or our groups. You know, mm -hmm. we're all in the same group together, right. this extended family group. And we love each other so much. We are surrounded by like-minded people. I'm so blessed to be <clears throat> in this group of, of all these people. But there are times when people come to church or I see somebody, and what I need to tell you guys is I just need to put my hand up and say, hey, I'm, I'm going to stop talking. I need to go over and I feel the, mm -hmm. the need to go to talk to this person or whatever and just engage with mm -hmm. them and just welcome them because that, Gosh, that standard thing. People say, well, I used to go to the rock. Well, I can't go anywhere where nobody 
greeted me. I didn't feel uh, welcome. I just, you know, and so I don't want to be guilty of that. So I'm, I'm glad that you felt that way, you know, and uh, Carol, I just loved you when you, and you too. I mean, when you came mm -hmm. to, you know, maybe not as much as her, but <laughs> <laughs> we love you both, but, 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 but your story yes. just uh, really inspired me and you bringing us together and kept telling me about her and on and on. I mean, that's, uh, you know, and then they went from that to the, um, we started the Bonita Outreach Community. Uh, Raina could come, but Myra couldn't. And then we did the ladies lounge and you both, you were starting to feel better, Myra, and you got in there and got going. I just thought like, gosh, this is just, every time I saw you and you guys, you know, together, mm -hmm. I just thought, this is, this is God's miracle right here. This, this is part of yes. the miracle. We're witnessing a miracle. No? Yep. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Well, I'm, I'm thinking too about, um, like our backgrounds and Myra mentioned prayer in our family, that is something that my parents, my sister, myself, my brother, my nieces, I mean, and even our children to be able to not just pray, but to know how to pray and what yeah. to pray and to see things for people and pray. And that's just something that is a God given thing that's in our family. Um, and that. And our, the results of your prayer. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yes. Oh, um, uh, to see lives change, to see that yeah. for people to know that God sees them mm -hmm. is huge. It can be a simple gesture, even at a store. If I see something mm -hmm. and I just go up to someone, they, for people to know that they've been seen by God, it's just as a, it can change a whole person's life, their, their hope. Um, it just changes things. Yeah. And that word evidence just keeps coming back to me that that's the, that's the evidence of our faith and put my faith on trial and then you talking about what you do, that's the evidence of God's grace. I mean, blessing, all kinds of stuff that comes out of that. So, so you want to tell us a little bit about what you did prior and, or, you know, what your heart is, why, why you did what you did and why you continue or what, what you want to get back into. And again, this is just little snippets of our life. I mean, there's a lot more to it, but we don't, you know, we're kind of time constricted, but uh, I just want to tell, have her talk to her uh, about her story and have Raina talk about some things that she's done all the while that we're thinking about there's more to just our faith and just going to church and sitting in church and uh, singing, listening to the music and uh, hearing the message. But when we get up and we take that outside the walls of the church, this is where this comes in. So, okay. Well, just to kind of give a little bit of a, a point of reference to understand um, how the Lord worked um, with the diagnosis, there was a lot of, I think, trauma that that hit my brain and my body um and fear and the unknown um the cancer is very extensive over half my liver is covered with cancer up and down my back and my spine and my hip bone all across my chest and my arms and my lymph nodes and then it went to my brain so um my body was really beaten up but because so many people were praying for me and i knew it and just knowing that people were taking time out of their day to pray for me really did something to my heart um and it really motivated me to want to give back in the same way because i could feel the love that was coming from all these people who some people didn't even know me but i could mm -hmm. feel the power of the prayer in my life and i wanted to be able to give back and 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 do that for others as well so that was a very that was very um instrumental in what transpired um, from that. And from that, there were times I was two weeks, say, to hold my Bible up or to hold a book up. So I would set my phone 
up. And what I started to do is I started to reach out to these people with cancer and said, I'll pray for you. <laughs> if you need any words of encouragement, this is some of the progress that's happening in my body, even though I'm still very, very ill, but there's, there are changes going on that are good changes and signs of healing. And people from all over the world start coming out of the woodwork. And so I was in contact with someone from China, someone from Maryland, so all over the place. And we would do these Marco Polos together because they were too weak as well. They were beyond stage fours like I was um, hearing information. And these are some practical things you can do to help strengthen your body and whatnot. Um, and then also to encourage them that I was praying for them and all that kind of stuff. Um, and out of that, now I'm at a place where my doctor really didn't think I was going to make it. And even most people who heal naturally on the, a lot of cancer sites I'm on, on Facebook, they all say, you are a miracle because there's no one that we know <laughs> that has come back and healed with the extent of the cancer was in your body. So that was also very encouraging to me, just knowing that God is with me. And even if it was my time, I fought that, don't get me wrong. I, I fought it tooth and nail. Um, but if you know, even it's my time, I'm learning now that God is Emmanuel and he's with me. And that just really takes my breath away because we're never alone <laughs> because he loves us and his love um, is greater than anything one can experience. And so um, it's just such a privilege to be alive and to know him because without him, I would be completely lost. Mm -hmm. And so I'm so grateful for the journey I'm on. I'm not saying he gave cancer to me, but he is turning this thing around for good. And that's mm -hmm. something I keep seeing. According to his purposes, he is bringing out so much good out of this journey and this experience. And he's doing a deep work in me. And I'm so grateful for that. And my desire from here is to, right now I started my little TikTok videos because I still you know, there's strength in my body. I'll have days where I have strength to do things. And then I'll go like four or five days where I'm bed bound, which is fine. Um, but I'm doing my little TikTok videos, just little 30, you know, three minute, you know, segments to talk about just one phase of how one can walk through some healing from cancer. And, um, from there, my desire is to write a book. Um, not so much to get my story out, but, um, I'm going to have a lot of, it's almost like a roadmap to healing, if they could see my journey. And also I'm going to be putting in a lot of my struggles because believe me, I was horrendously angry, bitter. I was not nice to the people who were taking care of me and they were so gracious toward me and the Lord was still gracious and he's just doing a work in my heart in that area, bringing um, a lot of um, healing and I've, I've been able to have the grace to repent and all that kind of good stuff. Um, and so with this book, my hope is to bring hope and a roadmap to healing um, in, in the face of dealing with extreme depression, anxiety, fear, whatever the, a person deals with, with, um, you know, illness. So, um, and from there though, my desire is Lord willing that I'll be able to start groups where I can meet with people and walk them through how to go about walking through a healing journey, whether it's cancer or anything else of one's life. I mean, trauma is trauma. 
And so I would like to be able to, you know, give back in that way to help people working with really hard issues. And it's hard to be around people going through really difficult stuff, mm -hmm. but I would like to be an instrument to be that encouragement and kind of a, a guiding light, Lord willing, um, in that way. Um, so one of the things I remember in the beginning when you were diagnosed, when you were first diagnosed, I remember we all knew something was really wrong um, because you couldn't eat for a few months yeah. and you were so small. Um, and when you finally went to the doctor, I went to the emergency room and I remember getting the phone call and you said, you know, I've got stage four cancer. And then you know, we always ask the question, but what did the Lord say? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he told her, this is not unto death. Yeah. And so when it looked like, and it felt like, that death was there, we would remind the Lord you set. Um, and so that brought us strength as those that had to come alongside her. Um, and I remember times too, during the process of getting stronger, doing things, you weren't only just, you know, doing Marco Polo. I remember when you went into that home in Folsom and they had a whole different religious belief. And that lady was so desperate. She just didn't no, I want to hear what you have to say and allowed you to pray and bring the name of Jesus into that home, which was, which was pretty daring. And it was amazing. Yeah, that's right. They had um, like some temple stuff yeah. and some statues of these gods. And, um, but she was desperate and her husband and they allowed me to lay hands on her. <laughs> um, so see, God can use you when, when people are in need and you're just open all I had to do is get in my car and drive over there. And, and he gave me the strength that day to be able to drive. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, just uh, you can see why I brought him on about being people that just do things um, through thick and thin and uh, strongest when we're at our weakest and just all this uh, just comes about. But so I also wanted to talk a little bit about uh, not just your sickness, what you're going through now mm -hmm. and how you're um, witnessing and, uh, talking to people, but w uh, what you did before, and uh, you know, oh. you mentioned some of the stuff that you so just to uh, to inspire people that they can say, well, gosh, I could do that, or I didn't think about that, or so just little snippets about what you've done in the past. Okay, um, in the past, <clears throat> um, of course, I was usually involved in some type of an intercessory prayer group. Um, I, just the church I came from, the pastor understood the power of prayer. And he had his own special small group of intercessors for each service he had, because he would say, you guys, nothing's going to happen without that. And then because he was such a strong believer in intercessory prayer and going to the Lord first, um, before services, he would have intercessory prayer group and we would have at least 500 people show up. We would just be waiting at the doors like half an hour just to get a good seat. And prayer was just the main force behind that church. And so from there, um, my heart has always been with evangelism and the prophetic. Um, the prophetic, not for the sake of just seeing things, but the prophetic with the intention of being able to reach someone wherever I'm at, especially those who don't know the Lord, see that, as my sister was saying, God sees you and you're known and he is, God is real. And so that was a a practice I utilize a lot just being around in town. But then also I was with, had a group of friends. I was really into street evangelism. We would do plays and skits and music and people would get saved. Um, they're in San Diego. I mean, with all the hoity toity people, 
but we would just go so out. like an old town uh, san diego or people like the uh, tourist thing you would do like a, a like a street skit or something about we god did, or we did it in downtown san diego in the main areas like by horton plaza where yeah. there's a lot of people and we do we have a friend had his guitar and we sing a worship song and people would just gather and then we do this obnoxious thing called the the working machine and just to get people to come around and then we do these skits that didn't have really a lot of words to them and people would start crying and we don't someone always got saved at those things <laughs> but um and then from there uh, my heart the lord began to give me a heart for the youth like my sister and so um, by that time, I, I had done some mission work in Mexico and I got typhoid fever. And so I was too sick to work and everything. So I had to go back home to my parents. And while I was there, I plugged into a vineyard church there, which I'd loved and um, got involved with the youth. But that church was also big on intercessory prayer. And I mm -hmm. experienced, I don't know, they call it now the gift of tears, but this intercession that would hit us where we would just be this guttural cry on the ground mm -hmm. and the words couldn't come out. And you knew you were breaking through barriers that I can't even explain. Mm -hmm. And so we would do just in our little youth ministries, the power of God would show up with these little fifth graders and, and then the high schoolers. And, and these are kids who came from people with money and they had everything they needed. But when God showed up, they realized he was real. It wasn't just what my parents were doing and believing. And then these kids start moving in the power of the Holy spirit. And that just got me hooked. So, from there, I've always had a heart for young people. And then from there, um, I became a teacher and I targeted a specific high school. I always had a heart for the Hispanic community. I am Hispanic um, and taught there and was able to every year. My principal was a Christian. At the end of the year, I said, can I please prophesy over each kid um, the last week of school? He goes, go for it. So I would have a prophetic word for each student and my students knew my relationship with the Lord and they would sometimes come to me with issues. Can you pray for this? Whatever. But at the end of the year, they look forward to that prophetic word. Um, and I think the Lord allowed me to be effective in teaching these kids with disabilities um, because so many other teachers just thought, oh, they're disabled. Why even bother? Well, no, we were doing all the regular ed stuff, but it was taught in a certain way that they could understand. And they got hope and these kids, a lot of them had a history of parents being on welfare and just, I thought that was my life. Well, I don't think one student ended up, they're not on welfare. I, I, when I'm down in the desert, I always run into one or two or three of them and they're working, they're have families and they're like, if it weren't for you, teach us mm -hmm. how to get a job and to build the confidence. And we started them working by their junior year and senior year, we got job developers and whatnot. And so that was very fulfilling. And then, um, so I've always had a desire in wanting to have a hand with youth. And that is also another thing that's kind of rising up in me right now, because intercession again is kind of starting to hit me with, not with a guttural cry, but it's coming because I'm crying out for it. I want that that type of intercession hit, it starts to hit when I look at a young kid. I saw a little 10 year old boy and it just about annihilated me the other night. Um, and so I'm just so grateful because I want to go back to that intercessory role for the youth and see God just break through just a Sunday school service, a youth meeting or whatever, break all the barriers and these kids just be on their face before God and receiving from him. So, yeah. 
So again, that word evidence, uh, you know, just uh, she was talking about the kids knew her her faith mm -hmm. and they felt comfortable enough to come to you with problems. Mm -hmm. I mean, what better person to come to than a, that person of faith? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, just that evidence of who we are and why we do what we do. And and hopefully just, I mean, gosh, I, I, I could hear about four or five different things in there that people are thinking, I wonder what I could do to get involved or do something different than just sit in church and not do anything or whatever. So, you know, those are things that uh, why she's here. I mean, this is a, a God moment for her to speak on these things. And uh, uh, if anybody is just holding back, whatever, because of sickness or problems or whatever, I mean, uh, you can work through this. And, you know, she's a, a just a testament to that. So, so uh, just wanted to, did you have anything else to say real quick? Yeah. So uh, and we can come back to you. We'll do something. But uh, so now Raina is going to tell us a little bit about herself and who she is, why she does what she does and uh, what's on her heart. Um, I'm thinking about as I listened to my sister, I was thinking about growing up and my mother taught us how to not only give to the poor, but to look at them in a way of honoring. We don't give our worst. We give our best. We don't give something to someone that we wouldn't want. Um, because just because they need something doesn't mean that there's no value. So we were taught at a very young age, whether, whether clothes were going to Mexico, whether they were going to somebody we knew our, our at the time we knew our the garbage man and he had a big family. Mm. So if we were getting new furniture, he got our furniture. I watched our parents just do that and it was modeled. And so I've always had a heart for the broken because just because you don't have things doesn't mean there's no value and that God can't change that. Um, and so when I married and came up North, um, I got saved within months of my marriage and was at a church where, um, God needed to deal with my stuff. Cause I came in with a lot of baggage. Um, and I still, wherever I was, I would be drawn or the people would be drawn to me that were broken. I had a gal that, you know, I would reach out to her at church. I was at a really big church at the time. And, and, um, I remember her calling me in the middle of the night, she was suicidal and I prayed with her and, um, said, let's meet at church tomorrow and try to get her with some people that knew what they were doing. Cause I was pretty new as a Christian. Um, and then eventually ended up in a church that was very much like the one my sister was in. Um, and they very much were about compassion and outreach, which is just my, I just feel like it's our makeup and our family. Um, and ended up in a ministry that reached out to, uh, the broken and fulsome inmates, families, and women that were, uh, had drug addiction or were escaping a violent environment. And, um, reaching out to their children and just being there. And it's the simplest things that causes someone to feel valued and loved. And I remember thinking, oh, I'm going to go do these things. This can be so neat. I'm going to be able to serve God. And I learned so much from them. I was like, oh God, I got so much from them because they lived in community. These women live near each other. We're all spread out. And when one of them was without something, the other one brought it in. Just to watch them take care of each other was just so humbling. Um, and so uh, I was able to be a part of um, uh, Bible study, um, sometimes teaching, sometimes just assisting um, youth ministries that had at-risk youth 
um, and spending time with them. You couldn't just go to the weekly meeting. You had to invest and spend time with those girls during the week and keep in touch by phone and see how things are going. So if there was a problem, because some of them were in dangerous situations, they had someone to call. Um, we can't just see them on a, a weekly meeting. Um, and then, gosh, um, we all eventually were trained on how to uh, facilitate a grace-based, which sounds, you know, like, oh, we should all know that, but honestly, we didn't, a grace-based uh, way of reaching out to the homeless mm -hmm. and people that not only were homeless, but people that wanted to change their lives because there was a program that was being set up and it was a costly program. So there were many interviews that people had to go through to be able to enter the program because it was going to be paid for by people that, you know, were investing their, their money to invest in the kingdom. Um, and it took us two years to learn how to be able to, and you can see it when you think about Jesus, he didn't convince anybody to do the right thing. He loved them. And when they were ready, they came. So to be able to learn how to listen, to be able to know when to step in and when not to, and just to be there, but to not guilt or try to convince somebody, but to mm. love them. Um, and it, it took a couple of years of these gentlemen visiting and, uh, training us to do that, um. And I've, I've just always had a heart for the broken, I, I whether it's out in public um, or it's friends that we have and you just sense, you hear that little voice and, and you call or you reach out or just say, I'm thinking about you. Um, because we there's something in knowing that the God of the universe sees you. It just, it can change everything. Um, and then our children and their friends. And, you know, I was talking to my daughter and said, I was just took a meal to somebody who was sick with COVID and all of a sudden in text, I'm getting their life story and I wasn't asking, but it's just kind of the way it is. And my daughter says, mom, that's just who you are. People just kind of bring their stuff to you. And, and it's, it's a privilege and, and, and an honor knowing that people feel safe enough to do that. If you think about it, the measure of, uh, of a man in the world's uh, opinion we're not going to come across many people that are going to have mm -hmm. much value to the world, but mm -hmm. to God, right. I mean, my gosh, you know, the greatest thing we can become is a servant. They're so close to that or so much closer to that than they are a CEO of a company that we should feel like we're in good company or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I just love that, uh, uh, you know, that you mentioned that, that you're drawn in the broken and, uh, and God puts those people in our paths. I mean, you know, we are, and, and, and it's not everybody's, I'll, I'll use the word talent because that's what I'm told that, we have about the praying or, you know, on and on. But I mean, that's our talent. That's our, that's what God has put in our heart to do is to help those that are in need or those that are less thought of or less valued in the world. Um, so I just love the fact that, uh, you know, you talked about uh, modeling Christ uh, or, or what you said, reminding me of modeling Christ behavior rather than talking about Christ behavior. So again, that doing rather than uh, talking. And then uh, Raina has a friend named Nancy that's, involved in prison ministries or powerhouse ministries they they were first initially um a ministry that was reaching out to inmates families because the devastation to, to meet women that had been in their nice homes and then their husbands made a choice and then suddenly they're on welfare they're in housing projects that are difficult and and it wasn't by any choice that they made and that, to, the, uh, that the moms or the kids right made. right and to watch what those families went through and how they were judged and and people you know looked at them differently when they were just it, they were victims of the mm -hmm. circumstances 
You know, that's a great point that uh, when I, I, I don't really think about that, uh, you know, that often, but somebody, because I've known people that have gone to prison and then, or jail or whatever, and then their families are left behind. <clears throat> and then all of a sudden, and it could be just me, but it seems like people think less of the families yes. because mm -hmm. she picked the wrong person or you should have known about this guy mm -hmm. or, you know, right. just all these things like, wow, you know, she didn't rob the bank or she didn't kill anybody or mm -hmm. she didn't do something. It was, you know, her husband or something, right. Right? something changed in his heart, you know, or something set him off or whatever. So uh, that's another great point that, uh, you know, when, when we think about helping the families or whatever, uh, and I've been told a lot that I enable people when I do stuff or whatever, but I mean, my gosh, couldn't be further from the truth. Mm -hmm. If we love our neighbors ourselves, and my family had a family member that right. went to jail or something, I would reach out to my, my family members yes. and say, gosh, I need to help you guys, you know? So, I mean, same thing. If we, if we truly believe that mm -hmm. we have to do it. You yes. Know? So did you want to speak any, anything further or do you want to say anything or? Or should we come back to you or oh, go ahead? Yeah, there was just one thing that I think about with my sister, when she was working with the youth at this one particular church, mm. and it was phenomenal. The quality of walks these young teenagers had, they had an incredible discipleship program. And um, I just want to say it was really an amazing model and to see the kids benefit and their walks go so deep with the Lord. Mm -hmm. It was, it was a, um, they did an incredible job of discipling the kids that chose to be in it. Cause it was intense. Yeah. They had to give a lot of hours. They had to give up a lot of other things to be able to be a part of those groups. Um, and then, um, when I would be able to go to the youth groups with them, um, and then go to their trips and go mm -hmm. to, um, conferences, or, or if we went to Colorado for a mm -hmm. camp, I mean, and that's the times or when the worship, the same yeah. thing in our families, like we, the worship is on and then we're hearing and you just go and we would, I just get to minister to those kids because the Lord would show me things and, um, and it changes things. I remember a young man who was really, really, well, just, so these are teenagers that are helping yes. teenagers, no teenagers that were in youth group that were taken into a leadership uh, discipling group. Okay. And so they were, you know, let's say you have a hundred kids at youth, but if they wanted to be a part of this discipleship group. So these camps they went to were like a discipling camp or something. Oh, excuse me. No youth camp, youth, camp. youth camp. Oh, okay. Okay. Youth camp. We, you know, once or twice a year, they go just to, to see the teenagers wanting to take uh, leadership roles, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. Um, I'm kind of lost my thought. No, um, that's all right. That's all right. Um, it was just, oh, I remember a, a young man, a leader in the church walking by and we were, you know, had, during a break and we had camped out at this place and he walked by and the Lord just said, show him, you know, share, share these words with him. And he just lost it. And he, this is a young man that was popular, good looking, gifted, a leader, but the Lord showed me just a little something that was there. And I said, God's going to give you that thing that you're longing for. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to share it because it's, yeah. it's his story. Um, and it's just those kinds of things. It's like, oh, mm -hmm. it's just precious that, that the Lord would, you know, someone who looks like they've got it all, all of us. Yes. And I wanted to mention too, the thing that I loved about Powerhouse Ministries is the broken weren't just the poor. We had wealthy people that helped and they were ministered to and they, we all have brokenness. Mm -hmm. I, I have brokenness and being able to meet it. It was a place we could meet. We could bond through our brokenness and not because we sat around feeling sorry for ourselves, but I, I've got this and this is what God's doing right now. And he's mm -hmm. working on it. Um, 
to me that was that was incredible broken people are everywhere <clears throat> yeah and it's just uh you know our priorities in our life are only 24 hours in a day we talked about this again in one of the episodes that you know god created the world 24 hours a day seven days in a week 365 in a year that's all the time we have so if we believe that god is perfect and everything that he did creating the world and the amount of time that takes the sun to go around the world and i mean around the earth and um you know what you know what a day is but we say well you know you just you know i have to i have to sleep for eight hours i got to go to work for eight hours i got to do unwinding i got to do sports i got to do this or whatever you know god you really didn't leave me a lot of time to you know to do other things god's things and i'm thinking if we believe that christ is perfect in every way or god was perfect in creating everything he created the, you know the perfect amount of time we just don't use it correctly so as you guys are talking you know we could fill up our days with anything other than the kind of stuff that you're talking about but we've made a choice to you know we still have to do the stuff that we have to do but we at least take the time out to stop for that person you know the blessing bag thing mm -hmm. i'm thinking about yes. now the yes. just a simple uh 10 minute thing even you know mm -hmm. but we have to really put that you have to plug that thing into that 24 hour period we can't just keep going god there's just not enough time because god created time mm -hmm. you know he made that time so um we just can't question god about that kind of stuff i mean i know i'm gonna get pushed back on some of the stuff i say but um that's just what I believe that, you know, if we're truly going to follow Christ's teachings, I don't believe that he filled up his day with a lot of other stuff other than what he wanted to teach. It, mm. it reminds me of something when I was in an office setting early in my walk with the Lord, I would say the first three or four years um, I was in an office and I'll tell you some of the most amazing God moments were in the back storeroom with people uh, because, you know, it, and I, and it was, you know, there was a small office, so it wasn't like I was going to get fired because um, that is a, a possibility now. Um, but I remember the, if we, I'd go back in that office to get a supply and one of them would meet me back there that didn't know anything about God, but they were struggling and they knew where to come. I wasn't one that preached at work. I was I tried to just be that person. And I remember this one girl who knew nothing about the Holy Spirit. But when I pray for her, that girl looked like she was like a normal Christian in, in a big old meeting. She would be a normal Christian. Oh my goodness. I mean, someone that really was yeah, a, a close to the Holy Spirit yeah. and knew what that was, but she would be trembling and perspiring and just under the power of the Holy Spirit. I thought, this is fun. Uh -huh. and, and it didn't take long. <laughs> And you made another good point about, you know, we say we got to sleep eight hours, we got to work eight hours, and then we, you know, we got eight hours left to just unwind and relax and, you know, rest. I hear a lot of stuff, but, you know, we have to rest a lot. Uh, I don't think Jesus rested that much. I know he, you know, he, he got away and on and on, but I think he spent more time than we do when he was not resting, uh, spreading the word or whatever. But, um, you know, that eight hours that we go to work, you just uh, mentioned it, you know, you can... Um, witness at work you can talk at work you can you can save people at work now i'm not saying you go to work and preach or whatever but just these subtle things that you do these mm -hmm. active kindness these gift of times um or this gift of time what did you do over the weekend mm -hmm. uh they'll say something you can say you know or they'll say what did you do and you say gosh you went to church where do you go to mm -hmm. church i mean it just all these things open up and then our recreational time <clears throat> uh gosh i know three or four 
probably four or five families that have not gone to the church or that uh, have a hard time going to church because uh, their kids are in uh, softball, baseball, mm, yes. uh, sports or whatever. Mm. So, I mean, their only time to really encourage their kids, you know, is to on the, on the weekends. And I, I know a couple of them for sure. And you guys, well, I don't know if you know them, but the people at church know them. I'm not going to say the name, but, 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 but they can use that time that they're even at practice or watching mm-hmm. the game or in the stands or whatever. Again, just talking to people in between yeah. innings or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, just dropping something that they can, you know, again, it, if you're going to try to follow God's teaching and his word and, and, you know, uh, we want him to put the, you know, we want him to speak through us. He'll put us in, in the, in the, in the position that we might not think is the right position or the perfect mm-hmm. position, but he always is mm-hmm. there with us. So, I mean, even though it doesn't seem like the most opportune time, we have to kind of get out of our comfort zone and just, you know, start yeah. making those not opportune times be the right time. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. I know one of the, another gal in that office. Um, and, and it's just like you said, if, even if they're at a practice or they're at an event, you know, you see someone who's recently going through a divorce or recently going yes. through, uh, just lost a loved one. And one of the gals in the office, um, was, had her husband arrested and he had hurt her. And then she went through a divorce and we started spending time together and she got saved. She and her husband remarried our leaders at another church, but it's just listening and being there and letting them share their, you know, woes and, and then just when the time is right, you know, and they want to know more, you share and share the gospel with them. Um, I see it as like just really being available to both the Holy Spirit and people mm-hmm. and being open and available and aware while you're still doing things, but you have that, you know, Lord, what are you doing here? Cause sometimes you just walk into the store. Okay, Lord, just show me what you're doing. And I'm grocery shopping, but I'm also have my little feelers. <laughs> yeah. We're like, okay, is there some, you, know, you just never know. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, yeah. And as you're talking, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about the workplace. Uh, one of the places I used to buy all my, um, well, I was a contract. We used to do a lot of interior trim and custom molding and uh, for houses and banks and offices and stuff. And <clears throat> so there was a, a, a supplier. Actually, I'm just going to say who it is because I want to. Yeah. So uh, it, it was Sacramento A1 Door uh, in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dale Winchester was the owner of it. He was a, um, a Christian man. He went to uh, Abundant Life, uh, the Lord's mm-hmm. Gym. He was on the board of directors or whatever. Mm-hmm. So instead of uh, you, you, you know, kind of alluded to, you could, you can't necessarily talk at work because of ramifications, especially today. Dale actually encouraged it. He played, and these are like giant warehouses, <laughs> and he would he would play like a Christian music all the time. Uh, he would encourage guys to bring their Bibles to work mm-hmm. and during and go in the break room and their break during lunch. There was a lot yeah. of, uh, I think it was a uh, Slavic That's type uh, people that would come and you know they, they would work there, and he just encouraged like people to. Uh, interpret for uh, he just had this you know just the wow. the opposite of what we think about what a mm-hmm. workplace should be but he really wanted to incorporate that in their day and i was always struck when i went there like gosh you know wow. what, what's going on these guys got these bibles in here and they're not supposed to have them at work and they're talking <laughs> you know but once i met dale i mean oh, you know and, and just knowing that he went to abundant life and he's just a beautiful guy so um you know for you business owners out yes. there mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, take that to yeah. yeah. I remember my husband a couple, well, before Myra got sick, 
Except right now I have a phone number. You have to call this gal. I'm like, okay. He was buying materials at Home Depot in Rancho Cordova. Mm. And so her husband had lost his job. He had been in an accident. We had him come to our church. We gave them uh, gift cards to be able to go buy food because they had their kids. And it was just a short period mm. of time that they came. And then they got plugged into a church really close to where they lived. And and it was just that little interim. And then he said, last the next time he went, because he doesn't try to reach out to the women. Um, you know, he said, Oh my gosh, you know, she hugged me at Home Depot when I saw her. <laughs> but um, it's little moments, you know. Yeah. Uh, Mark Talks, who we all know, <clears throat> uh, he used to uh, go into Home Depot and there was a little girl there, or a little girl, I mean, he was a little girl, but I mean, a younger person, <laughs> yeah. a younger female uh, that worked the, uh, one of the, ca the cash registers mm -hmm. there. <clears throat> and he would always make a point, even if it was a line, to wait in her line and go to her because they struck up a conversation one day about uh, where he went to church and what does he do and, you know, on and on. And so he felt that God mm -hmm. had put that person in his place. So every week he would go in there and he would talk to her and he would just, you know, uh, I, I don't know what the outcome was, but but he purposefully, made, you know, we're talking about our off time. I know that you know, yes. what I'm thinking of or what I'm segueing here into is that our off time or our work time or whatever there's still these little opportunities, mm -hmm. to, you know, these little snippets of uh, of our day. We see we don't have enough time. While you're doing something else, do, you know, incorporate that into your day. It's like what I, you're reminding me of what Pastor Brandon said about going to the same grocery store, going at the mm. same time if you can, because you're building, rela he builds relationship with the people that he, you know, that service so him. Cool. And those opportunities when they start opening up and asking yeah. questions and then, He's dropping information. Eventually, they're connecting and talking. So it, it does. That's a really good point. Yeah, you know, he does it at the grocery store. He does it as gym, uh, his workout play wherever he goes to work out. He does a lot of, <clears throat> you know, talks to the same people. He builds relationships wherever. He's at. So that's another great point to build a relationship yeah. with anybody that you work with or at the baseball park or mm -hmm. whatever. So you can. You know, a lot of times you can't just spout stuff. You can't just walk in nope. and say, you know, do you believe in Jesus and blah, blah, blah. You know, you got to be build a relationship mm -hmm. with them and that it takes a matter of time. It, it, it takes time to do that kind of stuff. And a lot of times we just want this quick fix. I want to, you know, um, uh, just kind of do my due diligence, so to speak, about what God wants me to do and then go about my business. But, you know, <clears throat> uh, we have to just stop sometimes and just say, Gosh, I'm gonna, I, I want to learn more about this person or whatever. Mm -hmm. So she'll or he will, uh, you know, confide in me, and then we can actually talk at a deeper level. You know? Yes. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Constipated Christian Podcast. However, you are tuning in, be sure to follow or subscribe, as well as leave a rating and review. If you are interested in learning more ways on how to live out your faith, you can visit our website at theconstipatedchristian.org. And if you'd like to leave Bud or one of our guests a comment, you can email it to theconstipatedchristian at gmail.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode.